Right, I've got some advice. Ooh. Some advice? Yeah. Well, I've got to be really careful about how much information I give away on this one. But I recently had some medicine. Oh, medicine. Medicine. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Some, some form of pharmaceutical. Yeah. <laughs> Legal medicine. I'm not like, you know. So we're not being coy yet. No, not yet. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I thought we were in coy town already. <laughs> no, no. We're going to be coy about what the medicine did to me. Uh, okay. Yeah, I had this stuff that, that just um, stops fat being absorbed in your body. Uh-oh. Because I'm like, you know what? I've gotten myself nice and, and sort of... I'm on the way to where I want to be, but I've been at a bit of a sticking point. Uh, I, I bet you're not now. The N- the NH... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> If you take a fat-burning pill, do not accept a bacon and sausage sandwich cooked by your your podcast co-host's wife and friend, (laughs) then chase it up at the end of the day with a pizza. (laughs) In my defence, I did not know when giving you that sandwich in the morning quite what I was... what I was doing to I didn't you. know. I didn't know what I was doing to me. Because I'd had them before. Right. No incident, right? It was fine, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had them this time, and I could have what I could only describe as a greasy period. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Okay. Up to and including my sister-in-law handing me a sanitary pad. <laughs> oh. And that's oh. as far as I'm going with it. That's, um, I appreciate you, uh, leaving it there. So the asking Sterling <laughs> that is going to be real interesting next time yes. it comes around. Or, or Boston's <laughs> favorite son, you oh, know, which, whichever yeah. comes first. See, I was hoping I might not get it inflicted on me, but yeah, that's fair. <laughs> oh, well, now that you've said that, comrades, <laughs> I, I, out of taste and decency, I will absolutely put it on Boston's yep, favorite yep, son. Yep. <laughs> Oh dear, I'll leave the rest up to our, our lovely listeners' imaginations. I, I wish I wish it could only be in my imagination and not burned into my memory. Oh that is that is that is now I I gotta live with that knowledge now, I guess. Right? Free pizza though. Yeah. Cause you well. know, most of it ended up on the floor. So On the floor? <laughs> not not <laughs> All I'll say is this, while I was in the bathroom Oh no I could I could hear my brother and sister-in-law shouting at the dog Why are you licking that? Oh no <laughs> Oh no Luckily my brother's a paramedic And also someone who I think I've talked about on this podcast several times As being basically obsessed with shit He was the one that gummed it thinking it was cocaine <laughs> What's wrong with my family? So this has been a big, uh, a big, fun trip for him. Like the visit's working out really well for your brother, is what I'm yeah. hearing. <laughs> but basically, you know, as as my sister-in-law said, you're in the right place. <laughs> as much as there is a right place for this, yeah. My brother's a paramedic, and he's seen and gone through worse. <sighs> that felt. I feel good coming here and 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 opening up about that. Yeah. Yeah, you really yeah. just sort of let it loose and uh, just empty just put it my... all out on the table yeah. or, or the floor. Emptied as myself it were. <laughs> in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really not holding anything back. I hope the dog enjoyed it. They couldn't keep it away. 
I mean, you know, it was bacon and it was in some on some level bacon and pizza, or at least the bits that make it good. So welcome to Podquisition. It's a video game podcast, ostensibly, in theory, that's kind of why we're here. The sweet corn was preserved. Sorry, carry on. Normally we go at least six minutes before there's any actual game talk, but if I'm honest, let's, uh, <laughs> let's yeah, move it no, along. Look, Conrad, Conrad, I, I felt like you'd have my back on this one. Have yeah. you played a video game to, to move us away from where we currently are? I sure have. Uh, well, I played I, I played something that uh, Steph played uh, last week. Uh, I bet, played Ooh. a bit of that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. I'll tell you what, the other day I had Shredder's Revenge. Uh, <laughs> I, I have played a little bit of this too. It's really fun. It feels just yeah. like the arcade game, apart from the, I don't know, is is the leveling system that's in there in any way necessary to the experience? I don't feel like that's adding much. Maybe not. I mean, I enjoy the sense of, the little sense of incremental progress. I don't think it does a major add. Right. But every time I got a little level up, I'm like, ooh, plus one HP, or ooh, and you are jumping special. I feel like I've done a thing. I appreciate the dopamine. And it makes me want to, like, it, 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 it encourages me more to do every character, because there's a goal for doing it. Right, but it just feels like, well, that's, see, at the same time, that makes it feel tedious to me. Right. Because, like, oh, great, I'm not gonna, if I start another character, I'm gonna start with, like, half of these abilities that... I like using, you know, and... That's fair. Yeah, so I find that kind of... It just ma- it makes more sense to me to have it there available from the start. Um, or if you're gonna unlock it, unlock it once across the whole game, and then from there not require it on further characters. I, I get the appeal of that little, like, sense of I've made progress, for sure. Yeah. But... I don't know that this is the best application of that kind of thing. You know, give me character unlockables. Give me, uh, you know, costume changes, things like that. All for that. But um, these sort of gameplay mechanic things in a beat-em-up just doesn't seem necessary. But other than that, really love the game, love the fan service. I don't like what, what has happened to Baxter Stockman, if I'm honest. I liked him a little more longer limbed, I think. A little little uh less meaty head. But uh he's fine. Other than that, I, I, I like the the visual uh designs of the familiar characters and um I god, I must have listened to that opening theme music sequence a dozen times, doesn't get old. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme is still a bop. All the way in 2022. So, yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's not overly nuanced, but there's enough there for some fun combo stuff. And uh, I've been playing a Splinter, and, and I'm enjoying that. It's a good game. I like it. Now, I didn't realize, and maybe I missed it in the two times I heard you say it during the course of the podcast. I, I, I remember you mentioning .emu being involved in this, but Tribute. If I if you if I'd remembered hearing you say tribute, I'd have been on this a lot faster. I can't remember what I said. I I think I said .emu, but I can't even remember if that's correct anymore. Well, it, tri- uh, tribute I think is the main developer on the project, right? Um, and and .emu I think did some assistance on it, but oh, it yeah, it's good, and it's nice to see tribute working with some licenses. Though I 
I, I always feel a little bit of lament for their sort of creative original approaches to retro games and combining styles, things like Strikey Sisters and Curses and Chaos, but uh, it's really good. I really like it. L- Laura, did you have thoughts? My thoughts were basically very similar to yours. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I, so I went back and played a little bit of the, 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 the original arcade game, and it has a little bit of that problem that I sometimes struggle with, with depth perception in these kind of games. And sure. like that is obviously something that more and more folks have like fixed over the years, and I, like l- there was infinitely less of that going on here, which I really appreciated. I kind of liked the leveling up system a little more than you did, but that's, again, just because I like any excuse for dopamine to ding in my brain and tell me I did something and that I, I've been very good. Right. But like, yeah, it it it's it's fun. I like that it feels more like a game designed for consoles than an arcade game. It doesn't feel nearly so designed to be needlessly punishing just to get money out of you. Right. I like that even within the enemies that are basically palette swaps, there is a lot of personality and variation within the palette swaps, like your various different colours of, oh yeah, that's another colour of Foot Soldier, but they feel distinctly different. Mm -hmm. By the way, I don't think either of you laughed enough at the foot being crossed out in the eight-foot clearance sign at the parking garage and replaced with the word foot. I don't think that got the response it deserved. Hey, I think it's fucking great. Fucking amazing. <laughs> fucking great. It's a good game. I appreciate a good bad pun. Mm-hmm. I can't play it now, though, because the amount of pizza in it gives me trauma. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I got pizza TSD. <laughs> At least you're not playing it in the US where they where you could get a physical copy where they gave you a free little uh, Pizza Hut single serving pizza. Wait, what? Yeah, if you bought a physical copy in the yeah. US, you get a free personal one person Pizza Hut pizza. Why would they punish you with Pizza Hut? Look, I I can't I, I'm just telling you the facts. There was there was an offer of do you, do you want a token for a pizza hut? We should just count our blessings that they didn't partner with Papa John. Ugh. Oh. Even if even if if Papa John himself is gone from that company, there's no rehabilitating that image. It's ter it's terrible pizza. It's just really bad. Oh. Uh who else has played something this week? Uh I've played a video game. Yeah, what yeah. you what you played? Yeah. Wow. Um, on my trip down south, yeah, uh, I stayed at yours and James. Thank you very oh, yeah. much, by the way, for for letting me stay over the evening before I went to give a talk at uh, Splash Damage. Yeah, making 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 sure you could support the uh, you know, not not cross the the picket line, the rail strikes. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, fee drove me down, which was just. I've learned not to say no when they do something, like, incredibly amazing, but also a bit wild, like, driving all the way down south and driving all the way back again, which is just, you know, just wonderfully sweet and everything. Um, but yeah, it, it did mean we could go say hello again, which is always lovely, and I got to eat a really, really greasy sausage and bacon oh. sandwich. It was delicious, by the way. <laughs> the dog agrees. <laughs> I sorted out all your uh, all your your, your emulatory things. You fucking got my emulators sorted out. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you again so much for that. I'm I'm thrilled. Been adding a few bits myself. I'm still training yeah. carefully because I don't underestimate my ability to fuck up something even with like ten training wheels affixed to it. <laughs> but I've been adding a few bits here and there. 
Um, I was most excited about the PS2. I know it can run PS3, but I was most excited about PS2 because that's where loads of like really um, taste-forming games are for me. And so to be clear for this, this is on the Steam Deck you've been playing the PS2 stuff. This is on the Steam Deck. Yes, you set me up with a Retroid that I had and Steam Deck. So I'm running PS2 games on the Steam Deck. Finally, the Steam Deck is is better than shit for me. Um, very excited about that. Obviously, huge library to choose from. Some really seminal, influential games on it. So I played Dynasty Warriors 3 first. And let me tell you, it is that game. Yeah. It's that game, everyone. I mean, were you expecting it to not be that game? No, it is actually everything I expected it to be, and not a not a single drop more or less, in fairness. So Dynasty Warriors 3, actually, is a game for all its faults and for all that series has been criticised for and has become. Dynasty Warriors 3 is what super got me into video games. I liked video games growing up, but it... And, and you know, I... I Loved Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII, especially. Like, they were two big fucking classics for me. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, you know, as I just fill up the credentials before I talk about Dynasty Warriors 3. But I watched Dynasty Warriors 3 and I hadn't quite seen anything like it. Like, because my brother used to play games a lot more than I did. We've actually reversed roles in that regard, but he used to play them all the time. And I'd often watch, like, my first experience Final Fantasy VII was passive. I watched him play it and read the, you know, just enjoyed it as a story. Um, and then I saw him play in this fucking game where there were, like, just dozens of enemies on screen and you were just smashing a button to hit them and there was, like, an absurd number of characters. And I was like, that looks fun, I want to try that. And I played it so fucking much. I played Dynasty Warriors 3, like, at all hours. Four hours there's like 60 or 70 somewhere between those like number of characters in it and i started fastidiously leveling them up and during battles there are different cutscenes that play and it's the same cutscene but when they insert an, uh, one of the characters they have unique voice lines so i started playing every level with every character to get every cutscene to see every minor variant i was fucking obsessed with this game it's a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's been very nostalgic, but there's also like a lot of quirks that have come flooding back. Quirks. First of all, I won't he I won't hear a we actually been watching My Hero Academia on that, so it's quite good. Oh. Yeah, my brother's like obsessed with it and um made me sit down and watch it while I've been here. And it is really good. It's a really sweet little show. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. We've gotten to the point in season one where things have just stepped up. Like, they've just gotten, like, serious. Um, so I'm on the hook. But yeah, it's really, the, the first ep episode so far, I've been so sweet-hearted. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, it's got better voice acting than Dynasty Warriors 3. Does my hero academia. However, I won't hear a bad word said against it. The worst, the worst thing that happened to Dynasty Warriors, right? It's not the constant reusing of assets, right? It's not the open world. It's not what they did to Zhang He, right? It's that they made the voice acting better. That's the worst thing they ever did. <laughs> the voice acting in Dynasty Warriors 3 is like... It really... It's transcendently bad. It's so good. Um, you know, like, you've just got this evil sorcerer who's just, feel the power of my magic! Like, 
iconic fucking lines, right? Fucking brilliant. Best genre ever. So fucking good. It's, it's, oh my god, the voice acting is so good. But there's also weird things about this one. Like, first of all, for to deal with graphical limitations, and none of the others really did this, even others on the PS2. The amount of time soldiers on the battlefield phase in and out on screen in front of you when they're like two feet away to the point where if you're fighting a like an enemy general, he's constantly like fading in and out of view and you can't fucking get a bead on him. And that's made even harder by every time I, I, I think about this, it absolutely boggles my mind. But there's auto-targeting. Now, this is a hack-and-slash game in which you hack and slash dozens of enemies on screen at once. And here's how auto-targeting works. You hit one enemy, and the rest of your combo, even if the enemy's knocked away or dies, goes in the direction you were facing when you hit that enemy. Uh... Uh-huh. Just, yeah, just try and fucking imagine that. It's, it's amazing. You hit... There's a big crowd of enemies, and I'm I'm still like got the muscle memory of more recent Dynasty Warriors, so I'm expecting to jump into a big pile of them and start, you know, moving directions to hit where there are the most enemies. Whereas here, I'm hitting one fucking enemy, and then the rest of the combo just like scoots out of the general scrum. <laughs> or like exposes my back to like enemies who will just kick the shit out of me. Made even worse by the fact that, you know, Zhang He is my main always been my main in the series, has a move that is really awesome, but so fucking bad with an auto-target lock-on system, where he sort of, like, readies himself for a moment and then just flies forward, like, like meters ahead. Which would be great if you could use that little bit where he charges up to spin round, like it happened in other fucking games, to spin round and like get the most optimal target, like the most amount of enemies or the general. Not to scoot fucking hundred fucking yards out of where all the fighting is. It's fucking wild. But having it on the Steam Deck, having a game I'm just like that nostalgic for and was very sort of opinion forming for me, for better or worse, depending on who you ask, it's been really fun. I, I I got very excited by the idea that I could have Dynasty Warriors 3. It's the kind of game that even if it's a bit shit, jumping into it for like the 15 minutes it's going to take you to remember that it's a bit shit <laughs> can still be fun. Yeah, yeah. And I've been playing it on and off um, here and there. I actually like the map design better than a lot of modern ones where they've kind of made it, they've kind of made it very maze-like to try and bottleneck you into playing a certain way. Whereas the older ones didn't have, like, many set objectives or anything. It was like, here's a big sprawling open map. You can try and just run for the boss and kill them straight away if you want. Or you can try and, like, lower the morale to make that easier. Or you could just, like, start in a corner and then just destroy everything on the way up to the point where you've got an entire army kicking the shit out of one poor dude. And, and more recent ones don't do that and actually get kind of more tiresome as a result. So I really like going back to sort of those bigger open maps where there's more freedom to do what you want. But yeah, it, it is what it is. It's incredibly dated, uh, but still got an incredible fucking soundtrack. The hair metal on that. Sorry about creaking there. My brother's chair is... He likes to simulate fart noises with it. Because <laughs> um, that's him. Um... 
I'm done talking about the game, by the way. I'm just amusing <laughs> myself. Uh, who else? <laughs> Laura, have you played anything? Uh, yeah. So before I get into like a specific game I've played, um, finally, like in all the bits of the world, we've got the uh, PlayStation's equivalent of Game Pass has now launched. And oh, right. I messed around a little bit with that this week, just going like, okay, at the top end, like if you're paying like the, the top end amount, how does this compare to Game Pass? Obviously, up front, we've known this since before it launched, that um, it wasn't going to day and date contain um, every one of Sony's first party titles. Um, from what it looks like, basically anything older than about six months is on there. So like uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, for example, is on there. Uh, but Horizon Forbidden West isn't on there, for example, um, which is obviously something it doesn't have going for it in its favour compared to um, compared to Game Pass. It's undeniable that there is a lot, like, by sheer numbers, there are a lot more games available on this than there are on Game Pass, but I do want to give you some highlights of the day one offerings with PlayStation Plus Premium. I'm looking forward to this. Let me rattle off some of the some of the great titles you now have access to with your PlayStation Plus subscription. Agents of Mayhem. <laughs> Do you remember this that one? Already... The one that Yeah. <laughs> fucking Saints yeah. Row, but shit. Saints Row, but not. Okay. Balan Wonderworld. Oh god. <laughs> uh we've got Dynasty Warriors 8. It's no Dynasty Warriors 3. Is it Dynasty Warriors 8 Extreme Legends Complete Edition? Uh I can find out. Give me a second. It is a Dynasty oh, where is it? It's on here somewhere. I have a list. If it's that one, then you know what? Fair dues. That is the one I recommend to people if they want to try mainline uh, Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors 8 Empires. <laughs> Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, Fallout seventy six. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. Uh, For honor. For honor. Fuck off. Ubisoft's a bunch of sex pre- predator protectors, by the way. Uh, they are. Yeah. Uh, Mighty number nine. Oh my, what are they? Do- is this a joke? Like, is this no. actually a joke? This is actually. Look, while you were chatting about Dynasty Warriors, I was clicking through a list, and these are games I saw on the list. Um. Shenmue 3's on there. Oh my god. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, this, this is not a comprehensive list. This is the ones I was able to find by scrolling through quickly while you were talking about Dynasty Warriors 3. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be clear. There's actually a lot of very good games on there, but there is also some stuff where I'm like, did you really think that was a, a value add to get that on your service? Yeah. I mean, I if it, if it was more of a case of they were throwing everything up, sure. Yeah. But yeah, like... Some of that, like... It's it's a weird one, in that, like, Game Pass, I generally have this feeling of, like, if I go and look through Game Pass and something looks interesting, I generally feel pretty confident it's going to be of a decent level of quality. Like, it feels like a more curated experience. This feels a lot more, what can we grab to have a lot of things? Yeah. And it's a little overwhelming, and a little scattershot and strange, but, like... There is some good availability on there, and I, I definitely am going to play stuff because it's on here. Um, the weird, Weirdly, the thing that like I've gotten the most out of this so far, I talked about not that long ago the fact that like I've started playing a bunch of Game Pass games on Steam Deck via xCloud, like the, the thing that you can get with, with Game Pass where you can stream games from Microsoft's servers. And I said at the time, like, I wouldn't have paid for it by itself, but having it 
weirdly, I get better game streaming using that than I do streaming from my actual Xbox in my house to the Steam Deck if I want to play handheld. I'm getting the same situation here. I get a better visual quality and less input lag streaming these games from Sony's machines to my house onto the Steam Deck than I do streaming them from my PlayStation that's literally in my house. Hmm. I don't know what the science is that makes that work. That's a little suspicious, frankly. It's it's confusing and I don't understand it, but it's happened it's happened with Xbox and with PlayStation and I don't know how they do it. It feels like someone's paying for like the fast track of bandwidth somewhere that right? somehow I'm not allowed to access, and that's very weird. Right, but this is on your internal network, so it shouldn't. It shouldn't, right? Yeah, it shouldn't. But mm. but yet this is the case, and I can't explain it. But for games that are on this catalog, I have had surprisingly good results. At hey, I want to play this, and I want to play it on handheld, and I can't be uh, like I can't be asked to do it some other way. I'll stream it off of Sony. Pretty good visual quality and lack of um lack of input lag. A surprisingly positive experience with that. So yeah, I've mainly just been fussing around looking at what what shitty games do you have on here that I can kind of laugh at. I haven't really. There's too much on here. I feel a little choice paralysis in a way I don't with Game Pass, and that has stopped me really getting much out of it so far. Right. Uh. Well. What about you, comrade? What you been playing this week? Uh, I mean, it's just been more satisfactory. How, how's that been? So again, I've made no progress. And, and there's a good reason for it. Like, I finished, I accomplished my goals. And I was starting to explore out to get access to some additional resources so that I could start producing a little bit faster to get some, you know, uh, progress going. And, and then uh, I woke up, I don't know, Saturday morning, I think, and... I was thinking about my power organization and what kind of a nightmare it is over at my base. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, and it, but what can you do, really? It's not super practical to, you know, and it, yeah, it's ugly as sin and there's stuff clipping through places. But I mean, it's not like there's a way to do drywall. And then I realized a way to do drywall. Hmm. So I, <laughs> I have, uh, Started construction on a new main base. Uh-huh. But this one's gonna be really, really good, right? Yeah. I, I'm trying to future-proof. That's the thing about all of these steps that I'm taking, is that I'm attempting to future-proof my designs against future expansion, that inevitably I'm gonna have some other thought in the process of and feel the need to do this all over again anyway. You're trying to future-proof despite not yet knowing the mechanics that you're trying to future-proof against. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to future-proof against expansion that I know is going to have to happen at some point. <laughs> so I have now built a new base. It, it's structurally finished. Now I have to like do all of the mechanical stuff that I have planned for it. Uh, I have separate floors for um, a distribution network uh, that will result in a basically a vending machine on my operations floor with the 24 most commonly needed items in it for restocking. I have a floor just dedicated to my power grid so that I can separate out my various facilities on there 
own independent power grids and break down all of their independent um, production. And then between these floors, I have spacer floors for distributing power and for hypertubes to uh, connect to the various areas of the base and to go to the outside so that I can go to other facilities in the nearer area. Uh, and then I have, um, uh, let's see, what was the other one? I think that's, I think that's pretty much all of it, but it's all contained in this, you know, sort of, I don't know, I think it's eight by nine base that I've built and it's all going to be self-contained and clean and you're not going to see any of the conveyors or the wiring. It's all hiding behind walls, but with maintenance access passages so that I can get into any of them if I need to. I think this game might be hell. Uh-huh. Yeah? I think I'm dead. <laughs> and this game might be hell. But I'm still enjoying hell for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, it hasn't fully dawned on me. Yeah, look. You're you're enjoying it, but you you're starting to realize there's no exit signs, and you don't want to live here forever. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I may, I may feel compelled to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Steph? Me? Yeah, I'll pull another uh, PS2 game out. Um, I have been again a world of classics at my fingertips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Utterly historically relevant video games, influential. For what is now decades. So I played Warhammer 40,000 Tau Fire Warrior. I remember that. Yeah. And that game is that game. Yep. Yep. People fucking hated it. I actually quite liked it when I played it back in the day. And I still quite like it now. It's a first person shooter. It's got fucking... It's got Burt Kwok in it. Doing one of the voices. It's got Sean Pertwee in it. Doing one of the voices. Sean Pertwee is like my favourite actor. He was in Event Horizon and some other films. He was the, the he was father in Equilibrium. Another reference many of you will get. Um, he's great. Got a really sort of this this cool raspy voice, and he was like the the Inquisitor in in this. He did a lot of video games sort of for a little very brief period. He was in he was in Primal and he was uh, Colonel Raddock in Killzone and uh, that's it. He played oh he played uh, a one of the playable characters in the first Killzone. But anyway, uh, it's a first-person shooter, and one of the sort of interesting selling points about it is you're not just a fucking space marine. In fact, the Empire are, at least for like the first half, of the baddies, uh, and you're one of the Tau, um, which was a newer... At the time it came out. You see, I remember when the Tau were new. Yeah. That's how fucking old I am. I remember when Tau were new, and I remember when Necrons were brand new and overpowered as fuck. But yeah, I remember when Tower knew, and, and this was probably part of why the game was about being one. Yeah. But yeah, it starts out, you're a Tau fighting the Empire, uh, starting off with Imperial Guard. I've not gotten far enough, and I don't know if I will, because the current ROM I've got takes a massive fucking shit but on level two. Aren't the Tau, like, kind of visually rip-offs of the droids from Star Wars uh, episodes episode one there might be some influence i mean every warhammer 40k army in some way yeah is copied off something i think 
they were more meant to be like an anime thing, I think. Mm. Like with the mechs and stuff. Sure. I think the idea... I've always seen them compared to, yeah, animes, like Gundam and things like that. Mm. Um, and they themselves are more like, you know, grey aliens, sort of your classic um, Area 51 type of alien. Orc boys. Sorry. That's just... Yeah, orc boys for life. Oh, okay. Yep. I'm a Thousand Sons girl myself. Mm. Um, incidentally, so is my brother. I'm actually, uh, there, there's a load of fucking paints out here. I'd love to get back into painting. I, I've been really thinking about that lately a lot. Oh. I just, I don't know that I have the, the the time, space, or spare resources to do it. And those are kind of the three things you need. Yeah, I think once I get my own place, I want to sit down and do it. I bought some Thousand Sons like weeks ago. And then Fee mentioned just in passing, oh, yeah, I've already primed those for you because they're Fee. <laughs> um, so I've already got my Thousand Suns primed, uh, ready to have the actual painting done. I just, yeah, I want my own sort of quiet space to do it in. Yeah. The thing I like about orcs is that uh, you don't have to have skill at painting. They just look <laughs> <No>. like orcs. <laughs> yeah, you just fucking, uh, yeah, just make a mess of them. Um, and it's thematic. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Tailfire Warrior is, it's not a very good game. I'll admit that. I enjoy it. It really is just running and shooting Imperial Guardsmen. As I say, not gotten far enough yet, but I do remember when they introduced the Space Marines, they actually do a really good job of making you think, like, fuck. Like, in some games, they can be quite disposable, like they fall hard, like faster than you think they should, whereas in this one... They really do make them up like mini-bosses and things. Um, really intimidating. At least from what I remember, because like I said, I got to level 2, and the amount of slowdown is off the charts. Which I think is, is whatever ROM I got, rather than um, the game itself, because I don't remember that. In fact, it crashed at one point. Uh, so I think I, I might try and download a new one, but I think what I've got, it, it might possibly be unplayable. Which is a shame, because I was really getting back into it. It, it. Like Dynasty Warriors 3, it's a nostalgia thing. I fully admit that. It's not a great game. Um, I do think it's more hated than than I think it deserves. Because it's, if nothing else, it's fairly solid. It's For its time, it's not impeccable. But you have a gun, you shoot things. They fall over. It's a little bit cheap and cheerful, but it's fine. Yeah, it's just, sadly, I was hoping to be able to play more, but yeah, I don't know if I need to, to get another one and try. Uh, the place I'm looking at had more than one, so we'll try that. And that's that game. Yeah! yeah. Laura! Me! Um, what have I, what have I played? I started playing through the demo for a game that I'm kind of interested in now. I've I've, I've played the demo. Um, oh, now this is one I think I've had my eye on. Yeah, Live Alive. Yeah. So this is a Super Nintendo game that never got translated into English. That is now getting translated into English, but also it's being redone in that HD 2D style from mm -hmm. um, Octopath Traveler. Um, I forget what Triangle Strategy. Triangle Strategy. Yeah. The, the Square Enix thing where it's like HD backgrounds, but just like 2D pixel art sprites and sort of putting them into one space together. Yeah. And the deal with this game is that it is, I think, seven shorter stories all set in different time periods. And it's just a bunch of like RPG short stories. And the demo that's currently available has like 
the start of three of the of these little stories in there, um, and like you get like forty minutes or so of each one. And the one I tried out today was um, the one set in the distant future, where you play as this adorable little robot who's just come into existence. Your creator is basically just like teaching you how to be a be an existent being. He's been very nice to you, looking after you, and then you quickly realize that you are. Maybe in an alien situation, where you are perhaps trapped on a space station with maybe a deadly alien creature you're trapped in there with and have very little way to fight. Sounds neat. But you're just a happy little robot. You're a sphere called Cube. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I find that fucking brilliant. That's delightful. It's, it's fucking delightful, right? And yeah, like the the demo isn't super long, but it has it has full voice acting, which I really appreciate. Um, particularly as I have like very little fucking attention span. Basically, like you start by just like, hey, learn how to interact with the world. You wake up the other crew members. Some of the crew are just absolute fucking assholes. Like there's this big military man who the f- first time you try and talk to him, he just kicks you when you roll across the floor. I'm like, oh, oh, I I care so much about this little sphere called Cube that I'm playing as. And then it just gets to its little narrative crux of, hey, maybe maybe that dangerous thing that we, we're transporting, maybe maybe it ain't so contained. Fuck. Yeah, it's got more it's it's got way more of like a it's about to imminently become a horror film vibe than I anticipated. Yeah. And the characters are all like really endearing and like well acted. I need to start playing the other two stories that are on this demo. Uh pro- progress does carry over to the main game, which is appreciated. But yeah, if the other two were anything like this quality, there was more substance to the plot than I was anticipating, and they've done a really nice job of taking this old game and making it feel pretty modern and up to modern standards. And I love Cube the Spherical Robot. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, I wanna I wanna play more of this. I I I don't know if I actually wanna try the other the other stories that are on there before like jumping into the, the main game. But this this forty minutes or so was enough for me to go, yeah, yeah. All the people who've for years been saying this is apparently a very well written game, I'm inclined to lean lean that way, and I'm 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 very interested. Yeah, I didn't know a demo was out, and the the game had caught my eye. So yeah, I might need to get that. Yeah, de- demo released literally earlier today. I think uh, um, I didn't bring my switch. Ah, oh, I'll have to wait till I get back home. I'll I'll try and remind you when you get back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you've talked about everything you've played, haven't you, Conrad? Yeah. Uh, you played anything else, Steph? Uh, have I played anything else? Because um, I've only, I think I've like started like little bits of some of the other games, like The Suffering, which I'm really looking forward to playing more of, because that's another one I fucking loved. And not actually shit like the other ones, <laughs> but that was sort of an, an action horror game. Um that was really cool. Uh, I played the Vampire Survivors update. Ah, yes. Um, there's a new one of those. You played the one with the tree. I've not gotten the tree yet. You not got the tree yet? Yeah. When I stayed at yours and Jane's, I saw Jane playing it, and she was playing as a fucking tree. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I have unlocked the other one. Um, I think it's called Sir Ambro Joe, who's like this old gentleman fellow whose form of attack is just objects falling from the sky, like just candelabrums and and like dresses and wardrobes and coffins that just fall down and bounce on the enemies like almost like pachinko things but massive um that's been neat got some new arcanum 
nothing in terms of, if I recall correctly, nothing in terms of new levels or anything. But it's still Vampire Survivors. I still really fucking like it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to... What? Did I note anything else down? Is my brain letting me down? It usually does. Don't... Oh, yes! The other one! I did play... I, I played a little bit of Silent Hill 2 as well. Very excited about that. But I downloaded... The first ever game, I never actually reviewed this one, but it was the first ever game I played where I'm like, that's a 10 out of 10. Mm. And that game is Get a Man. Ah. <laughs> Get a Man is fucking great. I had to put it down because I'm not sure if it's the, the Steam controls or me being out of practice or me being old, but fuck. Fuck, that game is hard now. I, I remember being like, I remember struggling at first, and I'm less patient now than I was back then, so that might be it. And I remember at one point, like, I got really fucking good at Gitaru Man. Really good. And it's hard to go back to it. It's almost like starting a new Shredder's Revenge character for Conrad. It's like, <laughs> only it's me and my skills have gone, so, they've declined so much that I am really struggling with it. But fuck, it's a good game. God fucking damn. For anyone who might not know, Get a Man is a, it's an old PS2 game uh, published by Koei. It's a rhythm game with just a really cool control scheme uh, where there's a track with little dots on it and you move the analog stick uh, up and down and round. Like it, it could come from any direction and it's like a, almost like those little bendy wires that you've got a hoop that you try and get through it before you get electrocuted mm. you've got to follow this track using the analog stick while intermittently but uh pressing and holding a button whenever the prompts come up so there there are these thick lines on the thin line and you hold the button um for the duration of the thick line while making sure that you're always keeping the analog stick pointed in the direction of the track and then after a track finishes you immediately other button prompts come in from each of the four sides of the screen and they correspond to one of the face buttons so they're coming in like circle circle triangle uh, x like in and then it moves again seamlessly into the uh, following the track that's representing you attacking the enemy um using your guitar and then defending from attacks from the enemy on the whole really nice fucking rhythm control scheme it's just really nice works fantastically can't say enough good things about that the music is stellar it's so fucking good uh every level is a new type you know you start with this sort of heavy metal track then it's this uh, sort of j-pop type of thing then there's mojo king b and his um jazz level which is so fucking good there's drum and bass, there's like a sort of operatic rock with an organ, a sort of a samba track with the Sambone Trio, which are three skeletons that play their ribcages, because also the entire story and characters and voice acting is fucking bonkers. The game is fucking bizarre as hell. You know, the first level you're fighting a devil, the second level a UFO turns up with lots of little UFOs and they start dancing. Mojo King B is a man who lives in the fucking forest in a bee suit and um, sort of flashy jacket. Uh, it's so fucking, it's so bizarre. And it's got that great voice acting style where everyone's just yelling 
and like over each other there's because they're just trying to match like the localization are just trying to match the the words um they're trying to match the character's mouth movements even though it's a different language so everything sounds erratic and unnatural even when i've not had a copy i'll regularly look at videos on youtube uh, mostly the the Mojo King B one, the Gregorio the third one, which is the organ, and the Sambone Trio, because those songs are so fucking catchy. The only criticism I've ever had about that game is I'd have loved to have had more of it. Outside of that, I think this game is as close to perfect as it gets, and I don't say that very often. I I'm not that high on many games. Uh, Hades is one. Bloodborne, Silent Hill two. And even like Silent Hill 2, like, even though it's my favourite game, I probably wouldn't give it a 10. Get a Man gets a fucking 10. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Except for the fact that people didn't fucking buy it. So it's never been done again. Now you start, yeah, you're starting to sound a little defensive. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm more trying to be emphatic than defensive. Um, especially with regards to myself being known as, you know, some somewhat harsh with my critique. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't emphasize enough that this game is impeccable. But yeah, I spoke to someone from Koei once about it, and I said, I want a new Gitaru Man. And he said, yeah, everyone wants a new Gitaru Man, but nobody bought it. So yeah, it was just a one and done. One of those games that's sort of obscure, but if someone loves it, they'll fucking tell you about it. Mm. Sort of, uh, like I said about Binary Domain, where it's like, yeah, it didn't do massive sales-wise, not a lot of, like, it's not, it didn't penetrate popular culture or, or sort of even mainstream game discourse, but fucking beloved by those who know it. Gitaru, man, I can't recommend it enough. Like, I, I really can't. If you like rhythm games and you like weird shit, because Gitaru, man, is weird shit, it's so good. It, it's honestly so good. I'll stop gushing now. It's so good, though. No, never never apologize for gushing. That's good gushing. Well, I had to apologize for gushing the other day. Oh, God. What? Well, <laughs> I might get Walked right into apologize. that, Laura. Oh, you don't, you don't want to walk into it. No, you just no. <laughs> so, very quick, other things I played, I'm just going to rattle through a few. Yeah. I jumped back into Dead Cells a bit. Oh, nice. Mainly because they've added a big accessibility update to the game, Um, I, which... There are some really good robust options in there. A lot of them are things like you can turn down the um the number of particles shown so that you can have a clearer view of what's going on 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 the scene. You can apply a filter to the background to make it clearer to see what is an interactable background element and what isn't. The one that's gotten the most like conversation going, and I understand why, but I think it's really neat that it's there, is the option to have a number of lives. Which obviously it's a roguelike. So the the idea here is that they've they've put in an optional thing in their assist mode, uh, that you can give yourself one, three, seven, or infinite lives, and any time that you die, you can use those lives to go back to the start of the current level you are on. So like not all the way back to the start of the run, just back to the start of your current area with the abilities and items you had when you originally got to the start of that area, basically makes a checkpoint at the start of the area. Their intention is that if there are players who generally can play perfectly well, but have issues such as occasional muscle spasms and might just have 
a momentary loss loss of uh, focus or something like that, where it's like, oh, my disability happened for a minute, and suddenly a run that was going really well ended completely out of my control. A little safety net. A little safety net option to not have that run completely go away, but still have you have to complete that section of game that you're on. I really like that it's there as an option. Um, It's shitty how shitty the internet's been about it as a completely optional, you-don't-have-to-use-it thing that's there. Now, for God's sake. But yeah, there's there's a lot of really nice granular options for, like... uh, It it reminds me a lot of something like Celeste in that there's a lot of options for, like, granularly tweaking enemy damage, enemy health, like, lots of things to do with, like, being able to automate certain processes, being able to hold down buttons rather than mash them for certain things. It's a really nice update. Like, I'm, I'm very impressed by, like, the depth of added accessibility they've put in there for a game that is like five years old at this point it was about five years ago it went into early access so yeah if if that's a game that you played and enjoyed but like accessibility was a barrier for you this update's really good and the only other thing i played and like very i have very little to say about this uh portal one and two are now on switch and i am constantly frustrated that you can't on a new save file just go straight to the director's commentary you have to complete the game before you unlock director's commentary and i i like playing portal every now and then portal and portal 2 but i like doing it with the director's commentary on it's one of the few video games with a with a good interesting interactive director's commentary let me play it that way from the start <laughs> it runs well on switch though so that's good no and then we got a couple of quick news stories it's been a very light week for for, for news this week Let's talk about the MMO studio that wants unpaid volunteers to make the most wishlisted game on Steam. That'll go over well with the general public, won't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, have you, you, either of you aware of this? Mm, no, this no. is actually new at the time of talking to me. Yeah, so the the game is called The Day Before, and it is apparently the most wishlisted game on Steam right now. It is some sort of... It looks very Resident Evil-esque. You are a person with gun fighting off zombies, but it's an MMO. But yes, they are currently using uh, volunteers uh, to help develop the game who are being paid with, and I quote, participation certificates and free codes. God damn. Yeah. (laughs) There are two types of volunteer at at this developer, Fnastic. You can be a full-time volunteer that works for a salary. You know, there's a very limited number of those. um, Full-time volunteer. Yep. (laughs) Full-time volunteer, salaried volunteer. So it's a job. That's amazing. Well, no, because here's the thing. I I hear that and my brain assumes, and like I might be wrong on this, I assume they're paying less than minimum oh. wage because I feel like that's the only reason that you would call it a vol- a full-time volunteer position is if you can't call it a job. Yeah. The only Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is like, it's everything that a job is, but without the protections of a job. You know, what few yeah. they have in America. Full-time volunteer with salary is like one... It, that sounds really fucking sketchy to call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other one is part-time volunteers. Anyone can be a part-time volunteer to contribute to the fanatic community. Oh, might I qualify? Please say I might. I've been looking to change careers to something that makes no fucking money for my labour. You can get cool rewards, participation certificates, and free codes. Cool rewards? Now hold on, nobody told me about the cool reward. Yeah, I thought we were just going to take the piss out of this, but I hear the rewards are cool. (laughs) 
Do Do you want to know what kind of work they're outsourcing to unpaid these unpaid volunteers? Oh, do I? Yeah. Your Your work includes various activities ranging from translating the game to community moderating. Uh, they can also use their their unique skills to improve our projects to create new special features. So development. Yeah, you can translate the game. <laughs> Be a community mod or just fucking make new features for the game. Um, so, yeah, and apparently, like, this is very fundamental to the studio's design because, in a quote, they say, Fnastic's culture is based on the idea of volunteering. They should not use the word based. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this means that every Fantastic member is a volunteer. However, some developers are more volunteer than others. Oh! Oh, oh. two legs, good. Four legs. So I'm, I'm wondering, because here's the thing, I'm now wondering now, maybe I got it wrong when I was reading before, maybe they are proper salaried full-time employees, those full-time volunteers. They're just calling them volunteers to make the free part-time volunteers yeah. feel like... They're part of the team, yeah. Yeah, you're a volunteer just like the full-time paid devs are. They're volunteers too. This is what you call a horizontal management structure. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're you're all volunteers, just some of you are paid and some of you aren't. But you're still look, the, the ones we're paying money to are still volunteers, just like you. Uh... <laughs> well, it's like that famous book, Animal Farm. Yeah. 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 All all volunteers are created equal, but some volunteers get cooler rewards than others. <laughs> so yeah, in their defence of why this is the case, they say that uh, apparently those jobs, such as translating the game, aren't considered to be part of game development at Fantastic, even though those are those are part of developing your game. Those are how you develop a game. <laughs> Brilliant. Those are, yeah, we don't consider translating the game work and developing features for us to be game development. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Uh. So that's that's that. It's f- fuck that. Pay the people who make your fucking video games. Like into in the climate we have right now. Like what possessed them? Yeah. Money. Like surely they had yeah. to have. Well, yeah. But surely they had to have known that there'd be backlash on this one. Yeah. The fucking, like, it's not, it's never the time to do that. But wow, did they pick a time to do it. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing we got this week is um, Ubisoft not doing as financially well as they'd hoped this year. Uh, going going a little negative on the numbers. The numbers aren't, aren't what they'd hoped. Yeah, it couldn't happen to a nicer fucking company. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So after after several years of bad press and apparently their their games ain't selling the way they hoped they would, Yves Guillemot has chosen to uh, forego about a third of his annual salary as a result. I bet he's still mega rich though, despite doing that. Makes you think, or it should do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he's he's taking a pay cut. Of about three hundred and ten thousand euros, but that means he's still making about six hundred and twenty thousand euros this year. That's that's still that's still like a good chunk of the way to a million a million this year alone. That seems like too much money. Seems like too much money, right? Yeah, apparently he's he's given up this money because of Ubisoft's uh, poor financial performance, as well as the execution of internal reforms meant to address issues stemming from the company's sexual misconduct sta- scandals. That's the more interesting bit to me. 
part of why he's uh, he's taken this pay cut is because they acknowledge that they were meant to take internal reforms to address sexual misconduct and haven't done so. They have failed to execute on those uh, internal reforms that they were supposed to. Well, I mean, I know how we often colloquially use the term failed, but... Wait, hang on, wait. Are you sure? Are, are you sure they haven't? Right. Right? Like, it, it, you're sure it isn't like a completely different culture there now. No? Look, <laughs> I, I am quoting Ubisoft themselves here. Oh! Oh. Yeah, I'm quoting Ubisoft themselves that Yves Guillemot has to have less money this year because of the failure to execute internal reforms meant to address issues stemming from the company's sexual misconduct scandals. They must be scared as fuck. That almost sounds like Ubisoft admitting to the fact they haven't fixed the fucking problem. <sighs> like, they must be legitimately concerned about some of the stuff happening where that's regarded to like take this step to make hay of it in this regard it sure feels like they know someone's going to come sniffing around soon to go have you done it yet yep and that they're trying to acknowledge it and have a consequence for it so that they can buy themselves some time because they haven't done it and they could say we're dealing with you know like we we acknowledge we made the mistake but we're fixing it now please don't regulate us yeah yeah it, it sure seems like the actions of folks who know that people are sniffing around the doors. Meanwhile, would anyone like to buy this clusterfuck? Yeah. Because let's not forget they're also seeking a buyer. Yep, they're in the midst of that still, and it sure sure doesn't help their case that they haven't done the internal reviews that they were meant to do. Doesn't help their case. Right, I think that's I think that's everything for this week. It was a pretty light week on the news. Yeah. 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 Well it's never a light week in the world of Laura Kate Dale. Yeah. Who often has so much on the go, and if there's any of those projects you'd like to illuminate us on, do feel free, please, please. Well well, by the time you hear this we're recording this earlier than we usually do. By the time you hear this, I will have helped put together a big protest in Parliament Square in London. And by about the time you're hearing this, there should be videos starting to go up online of a bunch of the speeches from the day. So keep an eye out on my social media. I'll I'll share links to all of those. You can you can watch a bunch of the uh, the the talks at the protest. Other than that, the day before this goes up, spread your wings by Convoke. It will be live. It is a song from a trans-fronted rock band that has me shouting at a protest in the middle of the song. Go check it out. Spread your wings by Convoke. Go check it out. There's a lyric video. It's It'll be up on Spotify and all the other places that music happens to be. Other than that, just Laura K. Buzz. Go find me in all those places. Actually, if you're listening to this on the day it goes up, keep an eye out on my Twitch on Friday night. I've got an interesting stream planned for Friday that I can't say much about, but you should check out. Uh... What about you, Conrad? Oh, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. You can also follow my incredibly adorable cat, uh, one eye. Uh, it's one eyed potato at, at uh, Instagram. Also, you could hang out with me live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Hiya! 
Yeah, I do. It is patreon.com slash jimquisition, and you can go on that if you want. Uh, you can also see me uh, live streaming, which I've uh, not been able to do this week because I'm out of town. Uh, but that's twitch.tv slash jimsterling. Um, as far as wrestling dates go, I don't know if one will be announced by the time I'm... This is out, so I won't say it. So July 9th is North Wrestling, um, which I do believe is sold out. Oh, no, I can't do that date. I uh, can't say that one yet. August 20th is Avant-Garde Wrestling, uh, which I shall be hosting. I shall be running proceedings there. October 1st is Sovereign Pro Wrestling, where I will be facing Kid Bandit and Simon Miller and five other people. Uh, in an eight-person elimination tag match. I think I got the math there right. And then... Oh, no, I can't say that one either. Um, I do have other dates, but I cannot announce them yet. So, yeah, yeah, lots to look forward to um, from here until the end of the year. And that's it. The the only other thing that you have to look forward to in your empty, empty lives is another episode of this very podcast, which will be here next week. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.